Some movies are high brow, some movies are low brow. Welcome to Highbrow Lowbrow. I'm Cooper Gagan. And I'm Josh Kirschman. Each week we pick a theme and talk about two movies that fit that theme. One highbrow, one lowbrow. But this week we're doing a nobrow, which means we have just a bunch of topics. We're going to discuss them, talk about what's on our mind and what's in the current events. Also, welcome back to me still having COVID. So it's going to be bad audio quality again. I like how... We forgot that COVID lasts like over a week usually. Yeah. <laughs> we were fools. I think I just got a false sense of security because so many people seem to be testing out like pretty quickly. But then I remember, oh, wait, every time I've ever gotten a cold, I'm sick for like a month. <laughs> so <laughs> fuck me. So that that will explain why Josh has uh, kind of shitty audio quality. But it's right. funny that you are the one that sounds bad because I have COVID. Like you would think that like as the COVID person, I would be the one with the shitty audio quality. But I have all the equipment in my apartment. It is like trapped in here with me. <laughs> right. I am being punished in the eyes of the Warhawks, uh, our listeners, because you were an idiot and got COVID. Although, I'm an idiot really, and got COVID. <laughs> I'm the last of our friends to get COVID. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, when I got COVID, we had a bunch of episodes at the bank. We didn't need to work around it. It was totally fine. But this, when you got COVID, we didn't have that, which is actually kind of on both of us. But hey, man, <laughs> we're grown-ups. <laughs> it's hard to find time. Are we in a fight on air right now? <laughs> <laughs> again? Again? For the 18th time? Is our friendship ending live once again? Uh, here's an idea. Because it just occurred to me, because uh, our dear friend asked us why we call our listeners the Warhawks, oh. because I guess if you did, weren't listening to the Doctor Strange Love episode, we're like an hour and a half into it. You might not. Should we explain that for people, or is it better if we just know that they're the Warhawks? We can explain it. I mean, we made a joke in the in the in the. Uh, nuclear war episode about how you were a war hawk from way back and then that like dovetailed into us calling our fans war hawks because we were all pro war and we became a pro war podcast right and then we just thought it's not it's you know it's it's funny that our our fans would be pro war as in war hawks because they're probably not but also it's funny to call them that as a cool name so yeah because it's way uh, more exciting than you know this the topic of this podcast Right. It's like, well, Browsers was our other idea, which is it's more clever, but less funny. And also the fan favorite. So we're definitely not doing it for that reason. Right. You got a zag. Always got a zag. Every time we've done a poll on Instagram, we've gone in the opposite direction of what everybody <laughs> wanted. <laughs> what we should do is put, a, put up a poll whether or not you should have COVID. And then if everyone votes for you to have COVID, you won't have COVID anymore because we'll, we'll contrarian that too. It might work. Some but then no one, who's going to vote for you to have COVID? Well, many, to tell many enemies. <laughs> I mean, Warhawks War uh, are pro-war, and we're also a pro-murder <laughs> podcast, so they might just be hoping for my death. Right. Pro-war, pro-murder, pro-you having COVID, but not like being harmed by it, just having it as yeah. a punishment to me having bad audio quality. Yeah. yeah. They're a works. rowdy bunch. <laughs> uh, so should we dive into our topics? Yes. Uh, the first topic is a direct result of me having COVID. It's Stranger Things. I've watched all of Stranger Things. At first, I started off, you know, as like a movie person, you go into a sort of quarantine period being like, I'm going to watch all these fancy movies. I want to catch up on everything. So I watched, fuck, what was the movie I watched? Oh, I watched the Dolce Vita, and then I watched a bunch right. of John Waters movies, and then I just watched <laughs> Stranger Things for two weeks, for a week. <laughs> I like that you really hit the spectrum of 
of Brown. Because you got La Dolce Vita, arguably yeah. the greatest movie of all time. Roger Ebert often depicted it as his fav- personal favorite. Mm-hmm. You know, Fellini classic. Yeah. And then you go John Waters, who is very low brow in terms of his subject matter, but is generally very respected and kind of like a cult filmmaker. Yes. So still kind of like threading the needle between high and low brow. And then you just go Stranger Things, which is just the most popular thing on the planet at the moment. So which is just like, yeah. I don't know what brow that is, but certainly hitting the spectrum. It's definitely low brow. I mean, just by virtue of being like crowd pleasy and not really having anything to say on a thematic level. Like, what's Stranger Things about on a thematic level? And this is not saying it's bad. It's just like, you know, it's like a Spielberg movie. There's nothing to it. It's like growing up, being friends. Uh, that being, might be like, the most country. What? Just casually say Spielberg has nothing to him, but I think that's his thing. I think the latest season has a lot of really good stuff about being an outcast in high school and, mm. like, being a nerd and, like, being kind of looked down on just because of, like, what social like group you're in. Uh, I think... That's always sort of been the subtext of the show, or not the subtext, just sort of like a thing that is in the show that's not as prominent. But I feel like this season, the stuff about Eddie, the stuff about the bullies, and then a lot of the stuff with Sadie Sink's character, Max, I feel like kind of reminded me of all that. But we, we can we can dig into that because I want to – question for you. So is this this is the first time you watched – you finally caught up on Stranger Things season four, right? Yeah, this, I had to watch three beforehand because I didn't watch three as it came out. So I watched And then you went and back, back and watched one and two. Yes, I watched one and then half of two. When those those were rewatches, so you watched the mm-hmm. first two when they came out, waited, you know, ten years, however long it's been, it's been and a then long time. it feels like ten years. It's been six. Did they come out in like twenty seventeen? So five years. I think the first Stranger Things. Yeah, I'm actually curious. It feels earlier, just because I know like. They take about a year and a half between seasons just because it's, like, very expensive and they got to write it and stuff. 2016, mm-hmm. July 2016. Yeah. Damn, that is a long-ass time. Yeah, man. And uh, it really shows with how much the kids aged. That's the tough thing yeah. about shows about children is that they grow up very fast, faster than they age in the show usually. And also, you like, as good a, like, as good a casting director as you have, you can only control what those kids look like when they grow up so much. And yeah. also, pubescent kids are awkward. Like, it's just a fact. Even if they're, like, great actors and they're, you know, whatever. It's not that they're, like, weird looking. They're just, you know, they're pubescent. Unpleasant. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 this is not a dig on the Stranger Things kids who I actually think are pretty much uniformly great, pretty great uh, child actors. Yeah, they are good but child actors. There is something unpleasant about, you know, watching a child actor and being like, oh, they're so adorable. They're so precocious. Like, I'm really digging this. And then two and a half years later, they're, you know, misshapen pubescent teens. And you're just like, oh, God. Oh, no. Yeah. They're not finished. (laughs) Yeah. And we say this as people who were also misshapen pubescent teens. And it was a bummer (laughs) for everyone involved. Yeah. We're allowed to say this. It was miserable for us. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at with five. I'm just like. I'm like, oh, man. And then like going back to one is like, wow, this all works so much better when they're like children, when they're little kids. So I'd only read this on – God, I think it was on Twitter. Take it with a grain of salt, but I'm pretty sure – I remember this being a thing where I think the, one of the original ideas for a season two of Stranger Things would have been uh, like a massive time jump. And that the idea would oh, have been – Oh, yeah, they were going to do like an It Part 2 thing. Exactly. It was going to be, you know, season one of Stranger Things is what it is, and then season two would be they're grown-ups and they come back, and, like, the evil is back, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and then 
But then, like, I think the kids all popped so much with the audience that they felt like they had to, like, bring them back, which it does make sense. But that's also why I think It Chapter 2 is, like, so choppy because they had the same ideas. So they shoehorned the kids into that, too. And that really kills the pacing of that movie. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the problem with – I mean, that's kind of, like, our second topic is recasting. Like, I think – yeah. Part of it is just the way that social media works and the way that celebrity works. It's just that, like, <clears throat> we're so, or not we, but like, uh, production companies and networks and studios are so afraid of recasting because it's kind of this thing where celebrities are so indelibly linked with their characters. And also, we kind of just train trained audiences to, like, not be able to comprehend recasting. So it's like, yeah, really, like, you could just have a version of the show where they stay young forever and you just recast them, you know, like, I don't know if that would be the best, but it would be interesting and it would be, you know, it would work. It's an idea. I mean, recastings are, especially for some like stranger things who apparently these kids have like just massive, massive social media followings. Makes sense. Uh, on Instagram, on TikTok, and all that stuff. I mean, that's how the kid who plays Will ended up in a, like a online beef with Doja Cat. Remember right. all that? I kind of remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Seems unlikely. Team Doja. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I, don't know what, I don't know what they what they're doing, but Team Doja. <laughs> All the way. Yeah. Yeah. We saw her at Coachella. She was great. I did not see the actor who plays Will on Coachella. It at Coachella. Yeah. If you he did definitely all did metal covers of Stranger Things, the Stranger Things theme, I would. I mean, that'd be one song, so it'd be kind of short. Yeah. Actually, that might be yeah. all right. I don't know why he would perform it. It should be like Vangelis <laughs> or whoever. It's not Vangelis. It's whoever, <laughs> <laughs> right, noted dead man evangelist. <laughs> noted not living human being. <laughs> Famously dead. Famously dead. <laughs> Although, actually, he was alive when Stranger Things came out, I think. I think he died in the last, like, two years or so. Oh, really? They got tired. Yeah, but he was, like, he was, like, old. He was, like, 80. He was, like, retired. Oh, okay. Anyway, we were talking recasts. Oh, yeah, they should, I don't know. We should recast every actor in every show ever. Yeah, but I mean, the James Bond franchise really lucked out when they just sort of like, they kind of grandfathered themselves into it by just doing it. Like, they just pulled the trigger and be like, fuck it, we're just going to recast Bond all the time. And that's sort of the fun of it. Yeah. And everyone's on board. And now, if you recast, like, you know, a superhero, you have to rebuild the entire, everyone has to get recast. And the whole universe has to get rebuilt. And you have to have a new take on it, you know? Like, what if they just fucking, just, I don't know, just same shit, just like swapped them out? Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. My, my like, <clears throat> pet idea is that uh, Indiana Jones should be like James Bond, where we just have a new Indiana Jones every, you know, eight to ten years, and that would yeah. be awesome. But also, every every franchise should be like that. We should just, I mean, we, like, honestly, it should be like Spider-Man, but we shouldn't bother doing the origin story every single time. Just have a new Spider-Man. Yeah. Because like, that that's, I think, the big issue with... One of the toughest problems with where we are as a culture in terms of a lot of the IP that we're doing is because we have to keep rebooting things. Yeah. Or, like, I just feel like we'd be in better shape if instead of having to just p- pitch people on a new Spider-Man universe or a new Batman universe, if it was just, here's a freaking Batman movie. Now he's fighting this guy, which actually the Batman does well. You don't do the origin story. He just is Batman. Yeah, actually, it's, that is it's frame true. one. Yeah. So they, I mean... Once again, Robert Pattinson is is just the savior of the culture. Yeah, we love our Pats. I mean, actually, kind of uh, Schumacher and Tim Burton Batman are kind of that because they use 
it's essentially the same world. Like Schumacher just used yeah. Tim Burton's Gotham and they recast the yeah. actor and they, you know, kind of, but they use all the same shit. Yeah. But that was also a while ago. These Marvel movies, they could use like a sliding timeline. Like it doesn't matter. Oh yeah, I mean they're doing that now anyway with all the different multiverses and, and universes and stuff. I mean, I know but they have to I, make a whole I, thing I, of it with the multiverses. I'm tired of multiverses. I'm already tired yeah. of it. It's been like a year and I'm already tired of it. You're tired of the video game multiverses? Yeah. Do you I, not know what that is? No, I know what it is. I played it for like two seconds. It was it's Super Smash Bros. and I like Super Smash Bros. Yeah, it's enjoy it's Super Smash Brothers, but I get to play as like the cartoon characters I like, which is like it's a game designed for me personally, it feels yeah. like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, season five, I think, is bad. I don't think it's very good. Season four. Whatever. What season Season four. We're on four? Season oh, four. yeah, four. Four, yeah. I don't think it's very good. I just... They're, they're, doing this, they're doing the Spectre thing where they're trying to, like, go... They're trying to cannibalize their own backstory and tie it all together into a big grand scheme. And Stranger Things is... I mean, if you go back to one, it's not... It's a very small story. There's just a monster. There's, like, a portal... And there's a monster in there, and the monster gets out, and we're like running away from the monster. That's it. It's very simple. And then they start trying, in like season two, they kind of like, it's like you have to heighten it every season, so you kind of fall in the trap of turning into like a big grand conspiracy. They're just, there isn't like the bones to of, of a big grand conspiracy in there. There's some like fun hinting at bigger stuff, but it's not, it's not built into the show, so they have to kind of cannibalize their own backstory. So... I mean, spoilers for this season. Yeah, which, yeah. At, at this point, if you haven't watched Stranger Things, it seems unlikely based on the streaming numbers. But yeah, no, we're going to spoil it all. So getting that out of the way. Yeah. Um, uh, so here's a question for you, I yeah. guess. You know, season two, they had made a whole big rigmarole of, you know, we're uh, it's, we're adding this kind of cosmic horror. A lot of the ad ads for it had you know the mind flayer in the background as this giant looming monster, which was kind of an escalation, not just yes. of threat level but also of tone mm-hmm. uh was that like just in a vacuum not counting with what they actually did with that like do you feel like that was like kind of a natural move for it or should they have stayed like more small scale do you think i mean at the time i was fine with it although i didn't love season two that much when it came out um i'm only like halfway through it now they're like finally getting to the mind flare again but um i don't know and like it seemed it was like a logical progression although it's like you know, the most logical progression. There's definitely, like, a more interesting way to do it. Um, mm. I don't know. It's because, like, the the thing that's kind of scary about the Stranger Things is that it's, like, this weird world that just doesn't fit in with ours, and it's, like, uncanny, and it's kind of Lovecraftian. So, like, adding in a giant intelligence, I don't know, it kind of makes it more normal. I, I, I would agree with that it, to an extent. I think the, the, the strange... Um, this the strange like paradox of Stranger Things, mm-hmm. the the strangeness of it all. The stranger if things, you stra- the strangest the, things in Stranger Things. Exactly, is that I think it's very much built as a you know as it's built around kind of classic eighties Hollywood filmmaking, the Spielberg yeah. Zemeckis you know spectrum, mm-hmm. and I think that often is meant to be very straightforward, very clear set off payoff, set up payoff, have you know the main characters be the heroes, you know like very you know like have it all. You know, like when we talk about Back to the Future, how it's like a perfect screenplay, we're talking about something that everything just clicks, Yeah. you know, which can often be limiting in terms of what you can do in terms of like ideas or uh, uh, world building. Mm-hmm. Not always, but often. So Stranger Things is a weird one because, because of this concept, when they have to escalate, 
they escalate to, you know, bigger monsters, more lore, stranger worlds. Yeah. But I think the bones of the show still want it to be a very straightforward thing. So you do end up with a lot of hints that there's these crazy, complex, you know, shocking Lovecraftian world out there. But the show desperately wants to come back to, and then the kids band together and save the day. And I feel like there's always that con- that tension between the small scale and the big scale. Yeah. that's th- Oh, I think that's just in the show. Yeah, it's kind of the lost problem, which is that conspiracies are much easier, or not much easier, they're much more interesting when you only know part of them. The anticipation is more, is better than the actual payoff. At the end of season one, when you see like the little hint that there's something more going on, or that the portal's not that like those the that the story's not over, that's it's great and it makes you want more. But the wanting more is more is going is better than what any anything else you could give. It's it's more exciting. Yeah. The anticipation is more exciting than the payoff. Season we get to season four, yeah. and I think season four is where they finally actually start to give answers because season two is. There's the mind flayers out there, and he's a bad guy. Yeah. And that's kind of all we know. And I think that some of that, I wish I had a little more, but it's kind of keep it vague there. Season three, you don't really get any more lore. He's it's just kind of just mind flayer again, but this time he's gooey instead of smoky. Yeah. And like, I like gooey things. Like, that's not the problem. I do but, think they <laughs> did do, <clears throat> they did a good job of making a gooey monster different. Also, it's kind of fun that, like, I feel like it was a, like, a soft reference to gelatinous cubes in D&D. That they didn't really ever <laughs> dive into. I never noticed that, but I, I, that actually does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Apparently, the, the people who are really into D&D have found a lot of, like, you know, they don't just pick a random monster to refer to as the, the monster of the week. They really do try and, like, pick really smart ones that, if you dig into the lore, kind of pay off. So I do, like, there should have been more gelatinous cube. I agree. Yeah. Although the funny thing is that, like, I was I was reading about it a little bit because they were talking about the um, like the shadow veil or something as like an analog for what the upside down is, and mm-hmm. that's not actually a thing in D and D lore. It's like kind of similar to the shadow realm, but it's a different name. And I think yeah. the what the people online were speculating is that is but just because they don't have like all the D, a lot of the D and D stuff is licensed, except right. for there's certain monsters that aren't like you can't license an ogre, or like. A demigorgon, because like gorgons just kind of exist <clears throat> in like mythology, they don't exist, but they're either like in they pre exist, they predate D. So there's yeah. like they can't make certain specific references. Although, what was his name? The the villain from Vecna, Vecna, that's like a very specific D thing. So I don't know. At that point, they must have just gotten the license for it, yeah, I you guess know. So. And oh, the, yeah, because I mean, they're yeah. big enough at that point. And if you're Wizards of the Coast, like you take that, you know, you're trying to launch your own Dungeons and Dragons movie, you definitely want more Dungeons and Dragons shit in the most popular television show on the planet. Like that, it's a yeah. fucking gimme. And I think they, um, I think they actually have like co-branded uh, Stranger Things adventures at this point, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I think that I think it's a good. I, I mean, yeah, it's soulless merch, but tie-ins, but it makes people happy and it's fun and it's good. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I support I, I like it. Like D and D. Um. Yeah. So wait, what were we talking about? We we're talking about oh, so then there's the uh, season three is like kind of like a big, big gooey flesh monster. Yeah, and then season, kind of like an episode. Yeah, and then season yeah. four is they go into it's just it's literally it's like Spectre where they're like oh I was here the whole time I am the architect of all your misfortune everything in mm-hmm. the back we have to like kind of weirdly retcon stuff in the backstory that makes nothing make sense anymore and uh, it's like Vecna so then he's number one or whatever and it's uh, yeah real bummer. I, I'll, I'll say this. I'll push back on that slightly. 
because I did like the reveal that number one was this monster was Vecna. I thought that was kind of interesting because Vecna was just introduced that the season anyway. Yeah. It doesn't, that was just sort of revealing more of that lore. And it's kind of cool to show, you know, you always, eventually you will have to introduce, you always introduce a villain who is just like the bad version of the hero. So yeah. like, you know, you don't have to, So I think, but it is always what happens. And it, and it can often be compelling. It's yes. not always, sometimes it's just kind of lame, but mm. I, th- I think that was a good idea. And I really liked, uh, if you watched stranger things of the season, as it came out, the, the obviously the one where you will find out that one is Vecna is where the first batch of episodes ends. So oh. you like sit with that for a while. And I think that, that really works. Yeah. Um, the stuff that I didn't respond, I didn't like as much was the fe- revealing that the mind flayer is also Vecna. If that's kind of what they're doing, because they show him like kind of finding the smoke and forming it. And then like they reveal that he's the one who was talking to, to L in season three through Billy uh, so yeah. if it does come out that the, there is no real mind flayer and it's just some kind of smoke that he's been controlling, that would be kind of a bummer because then then you're making the world smaller yeah. instead of bigger. I mean, yeah, it's tough because they describe him as like the lieutenant of the mind flayer, but yeah, like that's just that's that's early on in the season the, the kids don't know what's going on, so you don't know. It feels yeah. like he is like the architect of everything, but then I mean, the part that bugged me was kind of retconning the way that the gate opened in the beginning because they Mm -hmm. had like a really like clear simple like thing which is that like they were sending out l and then she touches the mind flare or she touches the uh demigorgon and opens his gate and Mm -hmm. fucks everything up and then what they did is that they kind of made it like oh well she actually forgot a bunch of shit before that because she got like she just got like uh amnesia and there's all this shit before that and the gate opened up even before that and then the exact same all the shit Essentially, like all the payoffs and stuff from season one already happened before season one. She just didn't remember it, and it just kind of like it was, uh, I see. It kind of bugged me that it kind of just like stole a lot of the kind of like clear storytelling from season one. Yeah, I would. I would say. I. I guess I had a different interpret. I. I thought that she opened the gate when she killed. I'm using quote marks. Uh, one in that battle, and then that gate closed, and then she did open another gate during the season one flashbacks. But even that. But even. Getting into the quibbles of that, I think the broader point of going back and retconning stuff that worked can can be frustrating if it doesn't make the world feel bigger. Yeah, and if it doesn't make the world feel more interesting. And I I think I I did enjoy season four, although I do agree that you know some of the some of that retconning I was could long term be less compelling for me, especially if season five doesn't come out with more more intrigue about what exactly is like the relationship between mind flayer and Vecna and what that world is. If it is just this one guy, that would be a little more of a less compelling to me than there's this huge unknowable of crafting world out there, you know? Yeah. And then, I mean, there's some other weird stuff with like, they kind of sneak in time travel a little bit, but they might make that. I mean, my theory is that like, it's just that the upside down was created when L like did her thing. And that's why it's locked in that one that in that one year. But, um, uh, so the, the Dover brothers have talked about that. Oh, how, really? um, yeah, how they're going to eventually explain why. Because the Upside Down it always exists. Like Vecna gets sent there. and then it, But at that point, it's just like a wasteland. And then it, at the exact same time, Will disappeared. Like Hawkins basically imprinted onto the Upside Down. Right. To oh, okay, look like so it that way. So, so they're going to – they've said they're going to – they wanted to do more of that this season, but they didn't have time. And sure, whatever. You have – you have another season to do whatever you do or do not want to explain. Yeah. Um, but um, 
Yeah, I, I so yeah, I like the season a little more than you did, but I, I especially because I think there are some characters I less in I find less compelling than others, and this season did a good job of putting all those characters in one plot line. Yeah, uh, oh, like all the adults or who was it? Because I actually that that, that that lore stuff is actually like my even like my more minor problem this season. My like bigger problem is just with like on a micro level the way they write the characters. So I think my frustration with season three of Stranger Things is that it felt like Mike and Elle were no longer the most compelling characters because they weren't really growing. Yeah. You know, they kind of were locked in the cycle of they were kind of mad at each other for no reason, then they'd support each other. And I think that's probably still compelling for maybe some younger audience, but to me that was not. So in this season, they put Mike and Elle and Will all in California. Yeah. So like they're not infecting the plot lines I find a little more fun, which is like Dustin and Steve and like the main group just actually working hard and making go like coming up with plans and executing those plans and like solving mysteries, even though often they got it wrong. I I like it when characters are actually functional and I find it very frustrating when they can't do anything helpful because they're so busy doing bits. And I feel like that, that the middle section of the season worked for me in that way. So that's actually basically my problem with season three and on i guess it's that like these characters are written they're just such constant assholes to each other all the time that in in a way that like makes it hard for anything to ever happen i mean i guess they're doing it to try to keep the story the, to like lengthen the story but it's like literally it's always like a bunch of characters will just start doing something like that's outwardly weird but the audience knows why they're doing it and then Everybody else is like, what's going on? And then those characters will tell those, that other person to shut the fuck up <laughs> like really loudly and then not explain it. Or one character will just like do something on their own that's like actively harmful to everybody else. And then if somebody like tries to ask them what they're doing, they'll t- yell at them to shut the fuck up until they go away. <laughs> and then that just keeps on happening. Because also like the formula of the show is that like everyone splits off. Everyone like hangs out for one episode. Then they split off in episode two. And they come back in like episode five and all the plot right. lines come together. And then we saw, and then like finally, once the plot lines come together, people don't have to yell at each other to shut the fuck up all the time. Cause they can all be on the same page, but it's like to yeah. have those separate plot lines, nobody can know what anybody else is ever doing. And the way that the Duffer brothers seem to have like solved that is for everyone to just be a dick to each other and that, and they just won't talk to each other. <laughs> and it's very frustrating. And also I'm just like, I'm tired of watching these like children just like be dicks to each other all the time. Like, I don't know. It's like somebody will just be like, hey, like, what's going on? And we're like, fuck you. Get the fuck out of here. Go away. And that's like every, on a scene by scene, like, basis. That's always what's happening in season four. Four. Uh, I, I say some of that, I think that took, that problem is much worse in season three, which when I feel like the show really started to add a lot more humor to it. See, this season, I, did, I feel like there was some of that, especially in, you know, the, the California stuff, a little bit in the Russia stuff, but the Russia stuff felt like its own weird little like universe of genre was <laughs> like kind yeah. of separate from everything else. Whereas I felt, you know, Dustin and Steve and is real are really like the bleeds of the show for me at this point. Yeah. Uh, and, and Max and Lucas, I think those are like, they've kind of supplanted the original main characters to me as like, cause they're the ones doing things, being productive, yeah. like solving problems, like figuring out ways to like beat the bad guy, whereas everyone else is kind of yelling at each other. And yeah, shit. it's tough though because Lucas has kind of been that agent of like just being, he's been like that agent of just like hindering progress in, like that was his role in season one. 
is that he was always yeah. the one who would just like kind of get mad for no reason, always hated L to create drama, and was always just like being a hindrance to everything, um, which made him a very frustrating character. And he's kind of like kept that role into season four, especially when he kind of separated off from the group and was helping like the the jocks who were on like a witch hunt or whatever, kind of for yeah. no reason. Like, well, I would argue I think that's where they found a way to motivate his role like in the other seasons okay you know he's a little annoyed that that there's a girl there and there's some of that but like in this season showing him like giving him the basketball team and the jocks as like a path like oh you're not going to be made fun of anymore yeah finally gave him like a, an in-universe kind of reason to be more conflicted that and obviously him and max growing apart which sort of like made him feel growing apart from the group in general yeah and then i found that and also i think Max the season like Sadie Sink was was probably the best part. I mean the obviously the the running up that hill stuff has been memed a million times but like the first if you just saw that scene without knowing about all that whole how it's become like a whole TikTok thing. Wait, what's the it's really fucking good. What's the running up the hill scene? It's the it's the song it's the Kate Bush song. It's the whole scene where they put they play the music and it brings her back from Vecna killing her in like episode like 4 or 5. Oh, that's, like floating that's in the, the name of that song. Yeah, by Kate Bush. Oh, okay. I really don't like that song. Oh, that song's fucking great. You're wrong. Uh, but anyway, Kate I and just, Kate Bush fucking. I rules. don't know. I, she just got a weird accent. Um, yeah, she Kate says Bush God. She says God. It's just, that's it. Yeah, I don't know. She's like British or Welsh or something. That's yeah, she should fine. be less British. Kate, Kate, uh, Kate Bush rules. I've been a huge fan. I, I became a fan because uh, fucking Big Boy was a huge fan. Oh, cool. Uh, like the the outcast member apparently he's just been a huge kate bush fan forever some article came out around when sir lucius leftfoot came out about he was such a huge fan and wanted to collab with her and i was like that's weird i feel like <laughs> no one ever talks about kate bush at all let alone one of the members of outcast who don't make very kate bush sounding songs so yeah that's fun uh anyway so that scene became very iconic and was like memed a million times and like that running up that hill was like at the top of the billboard charts for months okay um but i also think that scene's really a really compelling i think one it's like it's just very well made i think the character is very good. And also it just, it's, there's something really like universal about that feeling of like when you're just a sad person in high school and like you listen to a song and it just like makes you feel better and it makes you feel seen and like gets you through like a really tough time. Like I think we've all been through that. Yeah. And it's a good solve for like how to get her out of that situation is like, Oh, like music can kind of operates on a different level of your brain than like your conscious yeah. mind. I think it's a really smart combination of of emotion, of character, of theme, and of just fucking screenwriting logistics of, like, we need a thing. Yeah. You know? For sure. Yeah. Uh, so, like, stuff like that really worked for me. Um, but then, you know, obviously the big uh, – yeah, well, you know, it's like some of the Mike and Eleven stuff was, remains a little bit stuck. I feel like I'm not quite sure where those characters are going, but I maybe mean, they'll pay off next season. This might just be a personal thing, but like I am incapable of caring about a romantic plot line between two children. Like I just don't, I will never give a shit about whether or not two kids love each other because they're children and like that'll change, you know, in six months. Like it's just stupid. <laughs> but like, I, I can't, that's not like something I can really be upset about because like it's a show starring children and you're going to have like a romantic plot line, I guess. But like, you know, I just, it's like four children. Like there's a lot of children who watch the show and like that matters to them. Yeah, so, like, and I don't care about their romantic lives either. Like I, just, I will never, <laughs> I'm like the opposite of a pedophile. Right? I just like, don't give a shit about these children on any sort of romantic level in between each other <laughs> at all. <laughs> like I just don't care what they're doing. Yeah, it's one of those things where you watch that and you're like, that's not for me and that's okay. Yeah. Like, not everything on every show needs to be completely compelling to Josh Gershenbaum personally and whether or not these teenagers fall in love. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's fine. Although yeah, the one exception to that is the most extreme example, which is Ponyo, where they are like four and five years old, and by the end of the movie, I am rooting so hard for them to be in love and be together. <laughs> you see, for me, I'm like, five-year-olds? I mean, especially in... I, going back to season one, they actually do a good job of it, because it's not that overt of a romantic plot line. It's kind of like, oh, like they're kind of just getting int- starting to be interested in like boys and girls, and it's like a yeah, little... Yeah, they have a connection. Yeah, they, they like each other, you know, not like like they just like each other and they're starting to have the like the feelings of maybe I like girls but like it's very slight and it's handled pretty well and then they just go like full balls out shipping each other shipping people in season like three and maybe two I'm I, it might be the end of two I, that's the part I haven't watched oh well, yeah two two I think the thing they do is they keep Elle separate from everyone for a while and then yeah. she comes back and just this big romantic like connection um, I agree I mean. I like it. I mean, there's the whole thing about romantic plot lines in general is that romantic plot lines are good and romance is good, but shoehorning in romantic plot lines into a story that doesn't need or want it can often be like the most frustrating thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's the, yeah. um, the, the, you know, I've talked about that psychology of storytelling talk, you know, the whole in that the audience cares more that the hero kisses the girl at the end of the movie mm-hmm. than he saves the world. Yeah. But that's just kisses the girl using quote marks. It's just a stand in for, the emotional payoff. It doesn't always have to be a man kissing a girl. It could be like, like an example from that talk was the King's speech. It's just the, the, the line at the end and they remained friends. Like that's, it just needs to be an emotional connection. It yeah. doesn't always have to be kissing a girl. No, for sure. And like, also like this is fully just like a Cooper thing where it's like, I just don't find will they, won't they's interesting ever. I'm, I, on a personal level, I, often almost always find stable relationships more interesting than will they won't they's because it's a stable relationship is like a dynamic that is like it builds on its it like builds it has a lot of backstory it, there's a, like a lot there's a lot going on and it builds and evolves and will they won't they is kind of always the same and uh, right it ends up yeah. being repetitive yeah whereas i mean th- what, what are some of your favorite examples of that of like shows where like this the stable couple or shows or movies the stable couple is the more compelling than the will they won't they i mean like uh fargo 2 like the uh, fargo 2 um was it uh jesse plemons and kirsten dunst which is funny because they're like not really a stable relationship but they are working as they are like an unstable relationship that like stabilizes and they learn to work as a team and like that's a really good relationship for me. I mean, Monica and Chandler feels like a big one. Yeah, Monica versus Chandler Ross and Rachel. Yeah, exactly. And also like on New Girl, it'd be like Schmidt and Cece when they're like in season like two or whatever when they're kind of like having a lot of problems. It's less interesting than when they're just like a team. And then yeah. uh, it's funny. Oh, and like, like How I Met Your Mother. It's like um, Jason Siegel yeah, but, and what's yeah, her yeah. Name? Uh, Marshall and Lily. Yeah, Marshall and Lily are way more fun than Ted and Robin or Ted and whoever. Because they are yeah. like they're a team, they're working together, they have a dynamic that you can always like mine mine into for comedy and for just like dramatic tensions. And like when stuff happens to them it matters more because they have like a there's a continuity of their relationship. And as a relationship goes on, you there are more complicated and complex dynamics and issues to resolve. If it's just a will they won't they, it's always the question is always, will they, won't they? If it's a strong relationship, it's, are they going to be supporting each other's interests? Are they spending enough time with each other? Like, it's all the little things that come up over the course of a long-term relationship. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And it's more gratifying like, to see people yeah. kind of work together to achieve stuff, generally. 
Well, yeah, it's it's kind of the same thing we were talking about with the writing with some of the writing that was frustrating on Stranger Things is that it gets very frustrating when people are acting like idiots so that they don't solve a problem. And it's more interesting when they're working together to solve a problem, even if it's sometimes bumpy. Yeah. So like the one, the most recent example I like is, although it's not a stable relationship because like they're having problems over the course of the season, but in the bear it's AO and um, whatever shameless guy. uh, They constantly have these moments where like, okay, we're putting all our cards on the table this is what's going on. How do we get past this? And it's like, I like those put the cards on the table scenes because it's how people solve things. It's how, it's how you solve issues. And like, I always like it when the, I like it when the issues are external, not internal as much because like for them, usually when they're internal, it's good. You have to like kind of just create one of your, have one of your characters be like foiling the others for usually not a good reason. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen the bear, but I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, my, my big example is always uh, Turk and Carla on Scrubs. Yeah. Where they just, they just hook up within like two episodes of the pilot and they're just like always together. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, JD and Turk on Scrubs, another good one. Yeah. Kind of a different thing. Which is funny because like Turk and Carla are more interesting than JD and Elliot. Yeah. Like JD and Elliot are more fun as friends than they are as a Willie Won't They. Because Willie Won't They, it's always, it's the same thing. It's just like a, it's just a, I mean, it's funny because it's, it's a Willie Won't They. It is like, vacillating between two things but it's always the same two things yeah although i do say scrubs did do a pretty good job of trying to keep it pretty fresh with like like the 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 season where she's going to marry someone else yeah and then at the last minute he convinced her to stay with him and then he suddenly realizes he actually doesn't want to be with her i mean that's is like some of the absolute craziest I, it, it's fucking great. It, I remember that scene being like, holy shit. And then like, I think that's like the finale of that yeah. season. Oh, the other, I mean, the other classic one is on the OC. It's like Seth and Summer versus Ryan and Marissa. Ryan and Marissa yeah. is just like, oh, like how are they going to get mad at each other and not talk about it versus like Seth and Summer who are kind of like working on a relationship. Yeah. It, it, it especially on longer shows, it can get frustrating, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I guess final thoughts on Stranger Things, I think. I, I really like the season, but you know I have some. Of the, I funny I have similar bumps on it as you do. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm tentatively pretty excited for season five. I think they're doing a big time jump, which should be fun. That'll be cool. Um, I mean, I'll watch it, yeah. and uh, I'll watch it, and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Like maybe it'll maybe it'll be less of what I don't like and more of what I do like. But it, I kind of have this sneaking suspicion that the show only had legs for one season, and that's the problem. Yeah. So uh, speaking of that, um, we. Our next topic is how some shows should only be one season. Yep. And, um, but there is one thing I wanted to bring up because it was on the recasting section, but I forgot to bring it up, mm. which is that I'm going to find a way to combine these two things. Okay. So there's a, we're talking about recasting. I hope more people should do it. And interestingly enough, there's a big hit show on TV right now called House of the Dragon, which right. is the Game of Thrones spinoff, oh, yeah. where they're going to recast some major cast members no. halfway through the season. They're oh, going to yeah. do a 10-year, a big-time jump, and I know at least Renera, you know, who's like the princess of, the princess, the main character, basically. Right. Yeah. She's going to get recast as a grown-up, because she's playing, her character is 18 now, I believe. She's played by someone who's in her early 20s. They're going to just age her up to someone who's in their 30s. Mm-hmm. I think just how some shows should can do that, that could be a really smart move if the show is willing to really mess with their structure and do something different for what's good for the story. And I think some shows what's good for the story is not having a second season because they were really only yeah. built for one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did that work? Was that too sweaty? I feel like that was no, a good it's fun. I, I like that reveal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes the best thing you do for a relationship is break up. 
So what are shows that shouldn't have shouldn't have had a second season? Is that what we're talking about now? Yeah. Or are we talking about House yeah, of the Dragon? Yeah. Wait, if we're talking about House of the Dragon, let's talk about the let's fart. Let's talk about House of the Dragon. The fart heard around the world. <laughs> there was a scene in House of the Dragon where a man gets his pants pulled off in order to have his testicles removed. And right before that, when he pulled down the pants, he lets out a little fart. Presumably a pure fart? I don't know. <laughs> like Because like it's not like the force of pulling the pants loose to fart. Like <laughs> It's really crazy. And it feels like it was just like, there was one mixer who was just like, I want to add in this fart and nobody will notice. <laughs> it, it got it got by him. It's really funny. It definitely feels like a prank or just like a it, – it feels like when someone throws in a Wilhelm scream into an action scene and they mm-hmm. think not everyone on the earth is going to notice. I, I would like it if they did that with that same wet fart sound. Just threw it into random scenes see if anyone notices. Every time you see any butt, like the first – like if you like in the first time when you see like Daenerys walking into the baths, like <laughs> – <laughs> I'm imagining like – you know, we talked about uh, in the No Brow two weeks ago. We talked about like famous gaffes. We talked about the, the stormtrooper bumping his head yeah. on the, the rooftop. What if he just farted too? <laughs> <laughs> Worst day of that guy's job. First day of the job of the stormtrooper <laughs> bumps his head and farts, gets shot by the rebels. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would lose my mind. Yeah, yeah, if you just be, heard like boink fart, like that, would, and then the scene dies, <laughs> and that guy just fucking died. Does he die in the scene? I actually have no I don't idea. Know. I assume all stormtroopers die, <laughs> right? Well, he definitely dies when they blow up the the, the Death Star. Oh yeah, he got yeah. I don't have out to for assume. I know that they all die. <laughs> All right, here's here's what happened. Here's my idea. He bumps his head. He yeah. farts. They, okay. they lose that battle. They're like, Dave here fucking sucks. He bumps his head and farts all the time. Let's transfer him off the Death Star. Oh, and he survives. Yeah, that's my headcanon. The fart got him. The fart got him safe. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh my god. Uh, I feel like I feel like shitting yourself in that like plastic armor would be so bad. It's just <laughs> got nowhere to go. <laughs> how do you like take how do you use the bathroom in that stuff? Do you, do you have, have to like just a, like remove the- Oh, it's like a it's like um it's like a romper. You have to like get totally naked to take a poop. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, or is it like a spaceship or a spacesuit where you could pee in it? I feel like that would make the most sense. Prob- I, I guess actually the like there is an answer. It's like what did like medieval knights do to t- take a poop? Because they essentially have the right. same well, thing. But you wouldn't but wear they it for also that long. weren't walking. Right, yeah. medieval knights weren't just casually walking around on their day job in armor. They'd put it on specifically just for battle. For battle. Or like, and like yeah, you just take a poop for battle. Right. It's like you know NFL players like it's kind of a hassle to get all those pads off, which is why they poop before the game. Yeah. I assume. Yeah. <laughs> Some might poop during <laughs> it. You don't know. There is a famous – there's a there's an NFL quarterback who like I think two years yes. ago I, – Yes, I have – this is like the one football fact I know. It was um, – he like took a shit Lamar on the sideline. Jackson. Line. Wait, no. There's a different guy that did it then. There's, def- okay, there's, this is a, there's two guys that have done okay, this. These, these are two things. So Lamar, the whole thing, they took him out of the game with like cramps. And then he came back into the game and like won, and everyone assumed he was just taking a shit because the video of him coming back from the side, from the locker room, he's kind of like waddling a little bit. <laughs> no, I was. Oh god, I'm thinking of some clip where like a guy snuck out during the game, took a shit on the sidelines, and then snuck back in, <laughs> and the coach like gave him the game ball for it. I have no idea what you're talking about. That's amazing. We need to look that up. Okay, wait. Um, oh, I want to remember the guys. Wes Welker. Oh yeah, that's a really famous football player. Yeah. Uh, Larry Izzo. Oh, wait. Oh, is Larry Izzo 
Oh, okay. So Wes Welker is talking about a different football player doing it. Wes Welker is talking about Larry Izzo doing it. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he uh, got a game so ball from Bill Belichick for taking a poop on the sideline without anybody noticing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're going to get a that's game ball. That's why he's the best. Yeah. That's that's how that's the only way realistically that you or me would get a game ball in an, in like a football game <laughs> is by like taking, the taking a poop well. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Uh, so, what are some shows that should only have one season? <clears throat> oh yeah. Oh wait, wait uh, there's one other thing. Oh, wait, can we talk about House of the Dragon for like two seconds? Yeah, we can talk about House of the Dragon. It's it's a hit new show. It's what the people want. Let's talk about House of the Dragon. Oh yeah, I think you want to wait till the season's over. I just got no, one. No, no, we. Can- Okay, I got, Wait, I, got one, I got one thing that that fucking tournament's nuts. What the hell was happening with that tournament? Like there were no rules. Uh, several people got murdered in the middle of it. <laughs> a guy was able to just like clothesline a horse, and everyone's like, "Cool, yeah, that's those were always that was always allowed." <laughs> yeah, a guy like stabs a guy in the face with like a like a hammer. Like you know, that's not how tournaments work. That's just that guy straight up just murdered another man in the middle of a sports event. Yeah, I don't think they'd get a lot of sign-ups. I mean, yeah, you get you might get some favor with the crown, but 50% chance you'll die. And even if you win, there might be another guy who is like more famous than you who wins. And then what do you, what you that? You just risk death just so that like some, some princess could be like, nice. It's not even good for like your country because they need you to be able to fight and stuff. And yeah. then also like, uh, I mean, they have like the, the jousting, the tilting, all that. And then mm-hmm. afterwards, they kind of just like go to hand-to-hand combat on the... On, like hand-to-hand combat and it seems like thus invalidating it's basically the golden snitch it's like the golden <laughs> snitch <laughs> where they have a whole game and then none of it matters because they can do one thing at the end of it i feel like i have seen that before like medieval tournament scenes where they'll do jousting first and then go to hand-to-hand combat but why do both it really feels like you should do one then the other uh yeah like one and then you get a point and then you do the hand-to-hand you get a point and then you have like a third thing like like you just do tybo or something i don't know yeah it's a it's a sing off uh yeah, I, 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 God, I feel like I like half Googled this, but I, I think they didn't really do as much of the hand-to-hand combat stuff after the, I don't know, if somebody knows about this, leave a voicemail on a voicemail, I'm curious, but um, I, I, I don't think they did as much of the hand-to-hand combat, I think it was mostly about the jousting, and also, oh, he didn't wear like face, like a face mask, where it was like, you just like die from a bunch of splinters hit him in the face, anyway, it's, it, this is like the most pedantic, like I understand that this doesn't make it a bad show, because, like, no. who cares about the structure of the tournament? But, like, you know, try a little bit. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this, because I actually I agree. I think that was fun. I, I, my big fear about this show, because I think what happened with the original Game of Thrones was they often were so devoted to this machine of building certain spectacle and certain fight scenes at certain times in the season right. that it really slowed the plot development and also those scenes stopped, made less and less logical sense as it went on. Yeah. So something like that is small, but also could tip that eventually that show will succumb to that same if it's cool put it on screen no matter what stuff which eventually kind of hamstrung the original game of thrones yeah which um, you get a little bit in the latest episodes episode three have you seen episode three no it's, it's i didn't realize it was out yeah i'll watch it today I it, it, it ends with a big fight action scene that does maybe doesn't make a lot of sense but it looks very cool but not as egregiously as some of the Game of Thrones stuff. So I saw that and I thought, okay, this is so impeccably done. This is so compelling. I'm a little worried about what this could portend, but we'll, I'm not, not enough to – I'm still really enjoying the show. Yeah, it's like this weird thing where I know to not be super pedantic about the logic of fight scenes because, you know, in an action movie or whatever, what have you, 
it's not always the most important thing for everything to make perfect logical sense because, you know, sometimes it just can't or it's better if it doesn't. But uh, it's like it's like being pedantic about things like mirroring real life when they're based on a true story. It's like sometimes that's just not what matters. But, yeah. you know, there's a point where I'm just like, I feel like at this point you're just not trying hard enough. <laughs> like Just try a little yeah. harder. And it depends what you're watching. You know, if I'm watching... Uh you know, Game of Thrones, the whole world very much prides itself on we're the thinking man's fantasy show, you know? Yeah. So, like, I would say something like this would bother me more in Game of Thrones, maybe less in Stranger Things, which for all its, you know, uh, very many heights and how good it often is in its fight scenes. You know, when, when what's his name, Hopper is fighting a demogorgon with a sword. I'm yeah. not, like, bumping on that that it's unrealistic. I just think that's rad as hell because that's the show. Yeah, I mean, it's that's, like, a good example because, like, they shoot the thing a lot and it doesn't do anything. <laughs> so, like, right. a sword should a sword is weaker than a gun. It is like, this is, like, <laughs> this is, like, whatever, counter-strike logic where, like, knives are the most deadly thing in the universe. But uh, it's, it's actually a Kevlar-skinned monster. That's why it stops bullets but not knives. Yeah, it's the slow blade. It's, like, Dune. <laughs> Right, they all have Dune armor. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then there's the other stuff where it's like uh, some of the upside down stuff with like I don't know because like when they go back to the upside down, it's like how is Will seeing the like letters on the wall and stuff? But like I'm like I yeah. don't care that much. It's fine. Yeah, fine, it works. Yeah. But like I said, if you're, it all depends on what the show is and what works for the show. Yeah. I think we I think we agree. Yeah. Uh, so we're at, I believe, 50-ish minutes yeah. of recording. Yeah. Do you want to still do one-season shows? I mean, we, we've set it up enough <laughs> that we should talk about, about it. <laughs> we should talk about okay. it. Okay. 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 Here, I, I Googled it. I looked up some lists, and here are some of the shows that came up the most often in terms of shows that should only be one season. All right. Hit me. We got Homeland. Yeah. We got True Detective. Yeah. We got Masters of Sex. Okay. We got 13 Reasons Why. Okay. Prison Break, yeah, Big Little Lies, mm -hmm. and Lost. Yeah, oh, wait, well, well, God, I don't even a remember. lot of variety there. Big Little Lies feels like a really big one that would have. What the fuck happened in season two? Of big Little Lies, I don't even remember. So there's the so Big Little Lies was based on a book, and the miniseries did the entire plot of the book. Yeah, and then it was just such a big hit that they like brought back the right, brought back David Kelly, mm -hmm. and brought and sort of brought back John Mark Valet, and they did. Uh, and they did season two, and they just sort of worked it out from there, just sort of jumped off. But I feel like I think Big Little Eyes is an example of a show that actually was designed for one season, and trying to push it out from that was was unwise, I think, in a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. Whereas a lot of these other shows are shows that they tried to sell as this is the show's got legs, but really it had just the one leg. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough because like. Like when Homeland doesn't work, I guess Homeland's like a famously only work for one season. I I haven't seen yeah. it, but like that show, that was from an era where you didn't weren't doing miniseries, right? Like there's no, it they were not as as in vogue. No, yeah. So that show wasn't designed as a miniseries that they like worked out. Like they were always trying to do like a multi season serialized show, right? So it's like that's just mm -hmm. kind of a failure in writing. It's not necessarily that the show was designed one way and then they shoehorned it. It's just like it would have been nice if like. What you, if uh, miniseries were more popular at the time? Yeah, which fun enough, Homeland's a weird example because, you know, the whole thing about Homeland is, you know, this prisoner of war comes back and Claire Danes believes he may have been turned and maybe a sleeper agent, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so it will, is he or is he not, is the big question of the show. And by the end of season one, there is an answer and there's a big uh, climactic scene and it's very thrilling. Uh, 
And then so, but that that actor is so compelling that you know they obviously had to bring him back for another season. So season two, they're trying to kind of do a retread of that, uh, which works in some ways and doesn't work in other. I really like season two. Mm. Then three, they keep trying to do it again, and I think at that, but event basically. Long story short, eventually, Homeland just sort of becomes a, like, uh, just like a, a terrorism thriller. Like, yeah. they kind of lose that original framing of this guy, by my understanding. Yeah, which and is And by kinda, that point, that's probably what should have been. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what happens with any big mystery like that. Like, you have to you have to deal with the mystery at some point. You can't just let it be a mystery forever. And then you have to right. either totally pivot the show or just end the show. And it's, you know, it's the less popular option to end the show. Yeah. Um, uh, prison break haven't seen seems like an obvious yeah. one once they break out of prison like yeah it, i feel like we're doing they like go back in prison or something i think they get arrested again yeah. yeah yeah i mean that's i i think especially with the high concept shows that's a problem is like you eventually have to pay off the concept and you have to figure out how to like find your way back to that it's kind of like how stranger yeah. things they keep having to keep on having to figure out how to separate everybody <laughs> and bring them back together <laughs> again it's it is tough where I mean it's such an easy pitfall as a writer where you feel like okay we're doing this show we have to do this but then at a certain point it doesn't make sense to do that anymore you know I mean that's it's, kind of the classic it's a big problem with trying to write backwards like that is that like sometimes the story just doesn't want that um, yeah I think that's like kind of a reason why you never really watch X Files right. No, I've seen a few of the Monster of the Weeks, but I haven't really seen many of... I haven't really... I may have seen maybe five episodes. Okay, that's enough. I mean, I feel like it was often a thing, from what I've heard from my podcast, it was often a thing in the writing room where they would just have one moment, they like write down the moment on a note card and just stick it on the wall at like the end of Act 2 and be like, all right, make an episode. And they're like, uh, okay. So it'd be like, man gets eaten whole by snake, and they just stick it on the wall, and then you have to like <laughs> write a whole episode around that. And uh, sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't, because you got this like weird point that you're working around. That's just like it's tough. It's really hard when you to write like that. Although sometimes the, the most extreme counterexample is Pickle Rick on Rick and Morty, which started out as supposedly they were breaking for lunch, and then Dan Harmon just said as a joke, or someone just someone said as a joke, and then Rick turned himself into a pickle, and they all laugh and they leave, and then we'll leave for lunch, and they came back, they just turned it into an episode just I mean, to see if they could. That's fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not always. It's yeah. It's not that it's inherently bad. It's just very hard. It's a very difficult. Oh yeah. Problem. Yeah, especially if something like Rick and Morty, you can kind of do whatever, and a show like. Even something more grounded as X Files, which is not very grounded, <laughs> no. or even fucking anything, like, it's really, really hard just to say because this show is called Blank, we have to do Blank. Yeah, um, I mean, I've run into that with it's the promise of the premise. It's like some you have, you have like your pitch for a show that you come up with when you're getting ready to write it, and then sometimes like maybe it's just because I'm not like because I'm we're still like you know relatively inexperienced writers, even though we've been doing it for a bit, which is like you know sometimes the plot kind of wanders away from that, and you're like oh fuck like. I'm, the the way I'm pitching this show is like, man is stuck in prison with a demon. Like I need to get back to right. that. We can't <laughs> like we like we, I have to be able to sell the show. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. It's 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 tough. Yeah. It doesn't make make a lot of sense. Um. I think we've talked about everything here. I guess the only other example for uh for one season shows that I bring up is Thirteen Reasons Why. Mm. Uh. Which do you know the concept of that show? Yeah, it's a kid kills himself and then everyone's dealing with it. Pretty much, yeah. It's this uh, a, gr- a girl commits suicide and then she leaves thirteen tapes. Like oh right, yeah. audio tapes. And that was like that really controversial. Came out right. 
Yeah, well, it, they they showed her committing suicide on screen, which is apparently a huge. You're really not supposed to do yeah. um, actually depicting suicide. Like it graphically is really can be really triggering for people who are depressed or considering suicide. Like and can create. Anyway, yeah, very bad, that. bad thing to do. But yeah. the, the point of the show is this character is listening to these tapes describing each one is for a different person and each one is the reason why she killed herself, basically. Mm, okay. 13 episodes, 13 reasons why. He fa- End of the season, he listens to all the tapes, they find out why she did it, all the reasons. You know, there's fallout from that. Yeah. And then where do you go? Well, four more seasons of just other characters who are not, not unrelated to this girl who committed suicide just being... It basically becomes like Riverdale with the OC. Uh, all right, Cooper, you have any recs? No. You want to go first while I think of one? Sure. <laughs> it's nice that we can do this tradition even though you're, you're, we're, we're, we're apart. <laughs> <laughs> of me like panicking and looking around my room for stuff I can recommend? Sure. Uh, I will do uh, a, a short story. Okay. Uh, which uh, So I have this book by Cory Doctorow. It's called Radicalized. It's a... It's basically four novellas, four short stories. Mm-hmm. And I read the first one, so I can't recommend the whole book, but I will recommend it's called Unauthorized Bread. Uh, it is about uh, a, basically an immigrant who gets a finally gets a ha- place in housing, but like the toaster only means you're it will only toast bread from certain like bread companies. Oh, interesting. Because it's like a subscription service toaster. That's uh, so it's sort sense. of just about it's sort of about just in general copyright law and about how like a lot of you know, the subscription models of basic commerce are really fucking things up. And, and it's, and it's also about like, uh, immigrants and refugees and things like that. Uh, but it's a really kind of, it's a very good story. very compelling, kind of gets us some cool ideas. Uh, and I highly recommend it because it kind of reminds me of the classic, you know, sci-fi stories from the sixties that were like, just would really just pull out big, crazy ideas like that. So unauthorized bread by Cory Doctorow is my recommendation. Great. Um, did I recommend Death Rides a Horse? Yes, I already did. God damn it. Uh, let's do... You know what? I'm just going to recommend John Waters because, like... The man. The filmmaker. Because there's a lot of entry points into John Waters. Um, but he's super crazy. I'd say if you want to get... He's the, you know, the scion of bad taste. He is the he is the arbiter of... He is, like, the king. He's the king of bad taste. He's the best. Uh, he's got a lot of movies. Yeah. A lot of them uh, of varying levels of inaccess- inaccessibility. I'd say probably a good starting point is Crybaby. Um, I actually haven't seen a lot of the more accessible ones. Like I need, to, I still need to watch Hairspray and I still need to watch um, like Polyester. But uh, mm-hmm. John Waters is the best, and like basically work your way up to uh, Pink Flamingos. <laughs> <laughs> Start off with Crybaby. I'm, I've heard Hairspray is very good, and I've heard Polyester is very good, and then work your way up to Pink Flamingos. Pink Flamingos is fucking nuts. <laughs> Alrighty. Unauthorized bread and... We'll say Crybaby. We'll say Crybaby. And, cry, and Crybaby. It, and more broadly, the work of John Waters. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Cooper, what should they do at home? Rate, review, subscribe, listen to us. Right. yeah <laughs> continue listening listen to, to our podcast <laughs> yeah you know i got this podcast i think you'll like um follow us on instagram follow us on tiktok hblb podcast for both uh tell your friends tell your family tell your enemies you know help us out thanks Let's for listening <laughs> if you got any good ideas for topics feel free to reach out to us uh we still got that voicemail on uh it's listed on our instagram or you can just dm us or whatever We'll, we'll listen. We're easy to reach. Yeah. yeah. 
All righty. Goodbye. Bye forever. forever.